is it you haven't seen the cabs wow, wow, I don't Hello and welcome to another episode of FilmWise, also known as the Why Haven't You Seen This Film podcast. Today my guest with me is Simon Connolly. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you, Nick? I'm doing good. My name is Bubba Wheat from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights. And as usual, we are going to be taking a look at two different movies, uh, one of which I haven't seen before and the other one Simon hasn't seen before. Um, but first, uh, let's go ahead and get to know a little bit about Simon, who uh, most of my guests on this show are usually other film bloggers, but uh, today I'm pleased to say that uh, that you're actually a writer-director. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, well, for the most part, I do try that, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been, uh, I, I've been a director in television for um, 15, 16 years, um, and for the last... Four of those years, I've I've been on a journey um, writing firstly some short films and now and, and now a feature film, um, and, uh, and 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 so it's been a it's been a bit of an epic journey I suppose um, to, to get to this stage. Yeah, and uh, and one reason that I uh, that I did reach out to you is because the the feature film that you're working on mm-hmm. uh, is called The Last Superheroes. Right, right. So it's 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 a, it's a superhero movie of sorts. It's it's about a, um, a a superhero and a couple of his superhero friends who live in a small um, town in the north of England. Um, and they live in a in a in a world that, unfortunately for them, doesn't involve very much organised crime anymore. Um, just petty thieves and shoplifters, and there's really no work for them. And the, and the films are really about how they sort of struggle to to find themselves in 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 this ever ever um, um, more innocent world, and 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 how they can sort of find their new their new personalities and their new individuality in that world. Yeah, that it sounds. Uh... That sounds interesting. So it's kind of quirky, and and it is, and, it, and I haven't made it sound like a comedy, but it it is to some extent has 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 uh, quite a lot of comedy elements to it. Um, yeah, although that's not, what not I was in a sort of slapstick way. So. Yeah, because the the way you were describing it, it uh, my mind first goes to like the Tick, how a lot of that oh. is uh, set up, kind of in between the the superhero battles. So there's very little that's dark about this film. So so it, it, it's mostly the lighter side. And really, what it does is it sort of tries to uncover the character beneath. Um, and and you know when when I, when I wrote it, I mean, really, I I, I don't think of it as being a superhero movie in many ways. I I thought of it as being you know um, like three guys who who may, maybe a, they've worked down a mine or hey they've worked in a shipyard or something, and that shipyard's now closed. And everything about them and their life has been defined by the town that they live and in, and the people that they associate with. And suddenly, without that, they're, they're bereft of character now. And so, and, and so, the, the fact that they're superheroes, both visually and, and physically, highlights that difference, their disconnection with the world, I suppose. Yeah, that, um, and it definitely catches my interest and. Uh, because I have seen so many superhero yeah. movies, I do really enjoy whenever I find one uh, like how this sounds that really takes a different angle at at the superhero coast at the superhero culture. Sure, and 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 I suppose you, you, you know, and you have to sort of attack it in a new way because you know what's the point, um, and 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 also um, 
to try and to to, to find some um, something that's sort of relevant to you within that as a as a writer and as a filmmaker, um, and 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 for me to find some elements of these characters that, that you know that they're part they're part of me and 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 I suppose um, that's what makes it worthwhile doing in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, let's see, I I believe that you told me earlier that. Uh, that you're hoping that that this will start a, a festival circuits towards the end of this year. Yeah, so so so, so that's our hope. So so we've um, we, we've shot like the vast majority of this film now, um, and um, you know the 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 way that of budgeting independent films uh, being the way it is. Um, you know we, we've got this far, and now and now we we're sort of hunting our last tranche of finance. And then we'll be able to finish the film and and, and then go into post production and and so our hope is to is to do that by the end of the year. I mean, it's you know, the filmmaking business is 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 difficult and challenging at the best of times. So, um, so it, it's 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 been a really interesting way of of, of working, of, of writing, and then filming as much as we can afford to do, and uh, and then uh, approaching it again a, a few months later. Yeah, I always get the impression that that filmi- filmmaking is equal parts talent, luck, and who you know. <laughs> I think I think that's. I mean, I was I was I was in um, uh, L.A. just last week, and and never have I thought that was more true. Um, I think that, that that there is a huge amount of luck involved, but but what you said about um, who you know is 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 vitally important because I know a lot of people that that are hugely talented and don't necessarily have those contacts and then uh, find it really difficult and and vice versa there's a huge amount of um, quite terrible independent films made I think and they're made um, with um, a decent amount of money because of, um, of of the contacts that those filmmakers have and and you know that, but that's life and that's art and 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 that's something that we have to live with and I, and I think that you know it's it, it's a struggle it makes you stronger and 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 I think that um, you know for the most part the, the film comes out better because of that. Mm-hmm. And also, I wanted to talk just a, a little bit about some of the, the short films that that you've done that uh, that my listeners can actually uh, seek out and sure. view online mm-hmm. if they're interested. Yeah, if you go to uh, Vimeo.com, Simon Connolly, S-I-M-O-N-C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y, you'll be able to find um, some of my work on there. Um, so I've I've made four short films now. So the, the first. The first sort of two short films that I did with my producer Mira Tavasothi, um, we we, we kind of went crazy and and decided just to um, to do away with the difficulty of having a crew. And although that sounds reasonably foolish, um, you know, having worked in television quite a long time, I thought we could get away with 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 doing something on a really small scale and 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 as a bit of an experiment really. And because we were paying for it all ourselves. We didn't really feel like, you know, we owed anything to anybody um, other than to, to go through that experience together. And um, it was it was an amazing experience when we we, we uh, hired a, um, a cottage on a little Scottish lock and wrote a couple of films um, based in this little cottage. And we we hired a couple of actresses, which I who I auditioned online um, because they lived up there. And we sort of did, I did Skype auditions with a few of them. And we went up there and, and, and with, you know, a huge amount of, of, of kit and um, jumped on this overnight train to get there and um, made these two films, which, which, you know, then went on to do, you know, really surprisingly well on the festival circuit. And um, one of them, you know, was a, was a finalist in the award um, over here. So, so, you know, that gave us a lot of confidence to carry on. And, and, and late that year, we made a film called The Game in the Attic, which, 
um, which um, went to I th- maybe 20 or so international festivals and um, uh, won an award over here, as well as um, coming runner-up in the IMDb New Filmmaker Award. And and that that was really the thing that um, spurred me on at that point to go ahead and, and make a 30-minute th- short film, which you can um, catch a trailer of online, but it will be on iTunes later in the year. But it's called The Hapless Love Life of Jesus Grey, which is... Um, sort of, you know, emotional, character-driven comedy drama, and um, and we launched that sort of begin- beginning of last year, May last year. It premiered and won best foreign film at LA Comedy Festival. So, um, you know, you know, we've I think we did all the right things to sort of put ourselves in a position where we felt confident enough to then go ahead and make a feature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so and, watch them. I hope you enjoy them. <laughs> yeah, I I think my favorite was. Um... Once more, this time with feeling. Good. I'm glad you like that. Why? Why did you say? Why did you pick that one out? Um, I I just uh, I like the the interaction between the two actresses. Sure. And uh, if you don't know, it's it's just a, a it's a conversation between these two women, and uh, and I kind of picked up right away that that they were talking about suicide, even though they don't spell it out. Um, Right away, there's there's a lot of uh, hints to it. Um, they're talking about like why uh, why didn't you do it and things like that. And uh, uh, her friend keeps talking about death, and and uh, and also about at the midway point, you uh, you also realize that that the friend she's talking to has already gone through with the suicide. And she's actually talking to uh, uh, her imagination of of her friend, and and I always like uh, those type of stories. I'm so excited that you picked that story out <laughs> for, for, for two reasons, I suppose. I, I think in a way it's a film that's that's amazing, close to my heart. Um, not because it necessarily the story matter, but one as as a director um, and working without a crew in this completely remote cottage. With um, with just these two actresses and myself in the room and the producer sitting um, far at the back of the room um, was an incredibly intimate and rewarding experience as a director and and, and also for the actors too um, and I I um, I think that 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 film is, is special also because I, I think you know it, it really draws you in emotionally I think they're fantastic performances from Storm and um, Regan who play the two girls. Um, and interestingly, um, when the, the two films I made in Scotland at that time, um, the other one, Toys, was the one that was considerably more successful. And um, that always that always infuriated and annoyed me because I felt that, that, that Toys was the inferior film in many ways. And I felt that, that, that this one um, had, the, had the ability to, to make you think a little bit and, uh, and um, you know, uh, go on this journey um, with the characters. And so, and so, it, it was. It's really pleasing that a you picked that out, but also that 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 um, about two years ago, I got a phone call from a friend and said, and said, who said, congratulations, and I said, um, why? And he said, well, you know, you're you're winning the you're winning the the film of the month competition. I said, sorry, and and by just some complete accident, there's an industry website over here. I don't know if you have it in America called Shooting People. And um, we and I'd, I'd signed up to this website to, because I had to, this contact, and it automatically uploads the films that that are on your on your resume um, to the, their, their current film of the month competition. Mm-hmm. And there and, and and without me sort of promoting the film, somehow the film had gone 
on its on a little journey and and found itself at the top of this leaderboard, <laughs> and um and uh, you know that com- that completely made it for me because Toys was way down the list at number twenty seven or something like that, and I was so proud of that film going on that little journey by itself. Um, so I, I, you know I'm particularly pleased that you picked that out. Yeah, and and I really enjoyed the song that goes with it too. Well, that's from my good friend Pete Mercer, who you can find on iTunes. Um, he's a fantastic singer songwriter. <laughs> All right, and um, and usually I ask a, a series of movie-related questions, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to pass up the opportunity to talk to talk to you about your your films. But one question that I do still want to ask uh, is, what is your favorite superhero movie? It's very difficult question, and um, uh, and it, interestingly, because I think that might change after our conversation today, um, which gives you a little bit of a hint. But um, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I I am and have been a big fan of Kickass, and and as a as a as a superhero aficionado as you are, I'm not sure how you'll feel about that um, particularly. Um, but I think the thing that for me that 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 makes Kickass you know um, so great and and why I really enjoyed the experience of being in the cinema watching it was that on the one hand it, it presents this completely plausible scenario in which that some amateur superhero might somehow succeed. Um, but um, it also it, it does it with a brilliant amount of comedy and tension and jeopardy and um, and you know de- develops the characters in a way that that, um, that I, I think is pretty rare sometimes in this genre and and I just thought it was it was just chaotic and bizarre and and especially um, Nicolas Cage and his and his and his daughter I, 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 I absolutely fell in love with this film when I saw it so I'm going to choose Kickass. Yeah, the, that's uh, that's not one that that gets picked very often, but yeah. it is it is one that I really enjoy. Um, yeah. did, did you see the sequel that came out last year? I I didn't because I don't believe in sequels for the most part, <laughs> and 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 from re, you know from hearing what, what from friends and and from reviews, I thought it sounded like I made the right choice. Yeah, I I, I would uh, agree with that. I I thought it was okay, but it didn't capture the magic that the original did. And it wasn't by the same director, right? Right. Uh, yeah, that makes a difference, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the original was uh, Matthew Vaughn, I believe. That's right, and he he made he made the film um, Star Stardust Stardust um, as well, which was which was a, a, an interesting film in many ways, but was also um, it, you know was was quite a good precursor to do some something like Kickass because there was good moments in that film. Mm-hmm. All right, and uh, and one other thing that I that I'm glad to say is that. Um, instead of this just being a, like a, a traditional interview, um, I, I'm glad that you actually agreed to uh, uh, to do the usual format of my show where we talk about these two movies. And so uh, you had me watch for the first time Napoleon Dynamite. What are you supposed to be? Your worst nightmare. Idiot! He's a sledgehammer. I've been practicing. Nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills, computer hacking skills. Is that wrong? Worst day of my life. Who writes your dialogue, Superman? Please, God, not the live juice! There are probably better ways to deal with people like that. There's a lot to say, um, I suppose, about Napoleon Dynamite. Um, It's a film about this oddball, um, crazy, bubblehead geek from um, a little town um, called Preston in Idaho. Um, and And I suppose it's it's... It's a story about about a child who 
or a kid who who was looking for his place in the world. It's 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 um it's a story about people who don't quite fit in um in a in a in a world that's somehow stuck in 1982. Um and he he befriends a um a Mexican a completely pathologically taciturn Mexican um called Pedro and um and and it's a story of of them. Um, and their geeky lives trying to make their way. Um, and it's the most original, uplifting, wonderful film. And when I, when I read the films that you haven't seen, although there was a huge number of them, which I thought, well, <laughs> um, I've got to choose that. I think Casino was there and The Graduate was there and um, mm. really obvious ones for me. And I thought, oh, I've got to choose these. These are just, these are just classics. The thing that I love so much about Napoleon Dynamite, I suppose, was that that it it's every so often a blockbuster a, a film slips under the radar of the big studios, and it, it's it's almost impossible to, to to come across a great film just by accident nowadays because the big distributors are so hell bent on covering things in bells and whistles to make sure that 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 you've heard about it and that they can make their money. Mm-hmm. And so when a film like this just pops up. And no one knows what it's about, and and it just melts your heart. Then um, I I think that's a real credit to you know this film made forty four million dollars in the box office, and um you, you know that's that's a crazy amount of money for for a film that, that that cost only a couple of million to produce. In fact, I think it was less than that. Yeah, I believe it was like four hundred thousand. Wow. So there you go. Um, and with no known actors, I think you know there's there's only a couple of actors who who um have experience and and definitely um napoleon dynamite himself um um, whose name is uh, john hader um uh, of course um he had no experience before at all and also this film the reason i chose this film as well was because they um this this started off as a short film so um i started off as a short film called palooka and which you can catch on youtube um and it looks like it's shot on vhs or something it's in black and white and it's it's really poor quality but only only technically is it poor quality because um because the character of napoleon is 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 completely developed and um and the 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 way that the film is strangely set um is also uh, is is also developed um, you know like uh one of the crazy things i don't know if you if, if you love this about the movie or not and you, it was was the way that every every single time that a scene finishes um, the the next one sort of mostly seems to start with this sort of flat on proscenium art shot of a character sort of facing camera, um, look, <laughs> looking a bit gormless and, and and sitting in front of this sort of endless dull background. And it, everything everything sort of starts with that sort of element of um, uh, of, of being contrived, and um, yet yeah, that just highlights the sort of alienation that these characters feel. Um, and so, and so, any awkwardness you feel as a viewer is 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 um, is um, only a, a, a really interesting reflection of what the characters um, are feeling, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd love to make a film like this, and I'd love to be so bold that I could, I, I, you, you could have such an original vision um, as Jared Hester's with this film. And you, you can understand why critics find it difficult to, to because if you, if you, if you didn't find Napoleon as a character funny, 
if you didn't find his catchphrases or his his um he's incredibly impetuous and he's like he's very much a sort of 15 year old teenager he finds everything annoying and boring and um and his 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 brother who is um is a complete geek um a, a nerd as well um is um is is just um what's he called kip and he's completely ineffectual and yet he's just you can you can so brilliantly relate to him um all the characters are, are, are very much about you know, there's an uncle rico who's this sort of opportunist or who lives forever with this this sort of dream of of what might have been had the coach called him on for the last quarter and so and, and these characters are just oddly believable um and so you, you grow cont- totally fond of them. And although you, you laugh at them and they're, they're, they're truly hilarious, um, it's never at the expense of their dignity. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that I, I, I love most about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whenever I... Uh, before I watched this movie, like it, it's hard to know nothing about Napoleon Dynamite because it, it's one of those movies where it did kind of spread out through the, the culture. Sure. Um, and so I, I knew a lot about the the kind of style of, of the movie. Like, uh, you still see Vote for Pedro shirts here and there. <laughs> and, uh, so Pedro, the, 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 um, the, the silent Mexican friend of Napoleon, um, he, he, he decides that he wants to run for class president. And so, and so um, Napoleon um, a- aims to try and make that dream come true for him and ultimately does so by doing an incredible dance in front of the <laughs> entire school. <laughs> yeah, and surprisingly, I, I'm not sure if, if I remember hearing about the, the whole dance routine, which yeah, I, I think is probably the, the highlight of the movie. And, and you know it's 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 kind of the, it's it's a sort of nerd's revenge, right? So it, it's the it's the ultimate it's, it's it's the dream of the nerd to to be able to 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 win the day by still being a nerd and not <laughs> and, and not and not and not having to change yourself. So and and I like the fact that that, that it doesn't mean they become popular. You know, they they don't suddenly become the it kids. They're just the same unpopular kids, except they did something that made a difference on one day, and 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 that and that defined them and their place in the world. And and I think that's what was 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 completely genius about it. And 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 you know what, the whole film is 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 all about those characters. I mean, I I, w- I wonder what the film would be like if you were to read it before you'd watched it. If you read the the screenplay, I can't imagine. What you would make of it at all, and and I cannot can't imagine what a studio would make of it. Yeah, because I mean, if you think about it, that like the the dialogue is is in many places just so uh, I think banal would be the best <laughs> word to describe it. Uh, it uh, all, all the way through, that's true. I mean, there's there's a scene which is right at the beginning of the film, which um, is um, almost exactly the same as a scene from Palooka, the short that I watched um, the, the, the few years before the, the, the actual film, um, where he, he gets on the school bus and he goes straight to the back of the school bus, Napoleon. And um, there's it's kind of interesting because he's he's really tall. He's like six foot, and the, and the, there's another kid next to him who's 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 really small. And N- Napoleon gets out this action man out of his pocket, <laughs> who's and who, who which has string wrapped all the way around it. And he unravels the string, and the string is tied to the to the arm of the action man. 
And he waits till, to make sure that the bus driver isn't looking and then throws the action man out of the window <laughs> of the bus. And, and then it's trailing. And we look out the back window and it's trailing along behind the back of the bus. And uh, and Napoleon, I can't remember if, this, if he does this in the, in the film or if he does it in the short, but he, he uh, looks forward and goes, yes! <laughs> and and I, I suppose if you don't find that funny, then you're not going to find the rest of the film funny at all. And you might not find it funny from us talking about it, but <laughs> if you don't find it funny at the beginning of the film, you may as well turn it off because that is one of the great cinematic moments. <laughs> <for me. laughs> it's every kid's dream to be to drag an action man behind the back of a school bus. Uh, it's um, it, it's quite a moment. Yeah, and and I was a little worried going into this too because. Uh, for me, like uh, what I kind of define is like the the stupid humor, like the humor based around kind of stupid characters is very hit and miss for me. I, I think I find a lot of them more stupid than funny. And, and, and you have to, you know what? You have to believe the characters. If you don't believe the characters, it's not important, and and I, it, it doesn't work. So if you, um, you know, I, I, so I've made a, few, you know, uh, two comedy films, and 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 the, the, you know, while shooting the last superheroes, you know, it's the thing that I, I constantly say to my actors is, um, it's uh, that being honest is by far the most important quality we can do. Being funny is is irrelevant because funny. Is just something that, that 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 comes from the the situation. It comes from the structure, not from not from the, the look on your face or or um, the thing that you say. It's most important that you tell the truth, and then people will believe it, and then maybe they'll find it funny. But what what you know, I think what you're getting at is that you know these sort of you know quirky character comedies, um, if if they rely totally on on these sort of over-the-top stupid characters, then it, it just doesn't work. And, and I don't think Napoleon Dynamite is one of those at all. I think all the characters are are, are wonderful in their own way. You know, even La Fonda, the, <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the internet girlfriend of um, Kip, the brother of Napoleon Dynamite, who he talks about all the way through the film... And who we assume is probably some like <laughs> some some <laughs> fantasy nerd. That's right, um, fantasy sort of um, internet nerd girl from 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 the other side of the country, and and when she tur- she does actually turn up to be with Kip, and and she's. Um, uh, African American and tall and got these great big teeth and this huge smile and and as absolutely besotted with Kip, which is the most incredible <laughs> thing about it. And actually, their their relationship, although you don't see a huge amount of it, is is completely endearing and wonderful. Um, and that's one of the keys I think to enjoying the whole film is all those individual relationships, Napoleon and Pedro. Um, and uh, and um, the girl, the ne- the girl who lives next door, whose name I've has gone out of my head, Deb, mm-hmm. um, as well. Who's and she's a, she's another one, a sort of outcast, isn't she? She's um, um, uh, sort of geeky outcast, and yeah, who sits on her own in the canteen. And has who the, Napoleon the side wants ponytails. To, his side pony, well, yeah, one one side, you know, just this. So all her hair is scrunched up into one side of her head, and and she sits on her own eating her lunch and. Uh, um, and uh, and Napoleon wants to take her to the prom, but she instead goes with Pedro. And but there's no element of competition between the two. Um, <laughs> uh, instead, Napoleon gets to go to the, the the prom with one of the it girls because her mother forces her to go with him. 
Um, they think uh, the the other thing that that that's, that's that I think works really well with this film is that essentially it's it's just you know a series of vignettes. Each each the, each each scene it works on its own almost. I think that's, mm-hmm. that that's one of what's one of the successes. Um, you know, you you could you could you could watch halfway through and still find something um, really interesting and uh, amusing about it. Yeah, there's there's not really any overarching story. No, exactly, and and so that's I, I you know uh, that's one of the difficult things I'm sure they found to sell to investors was you know well we know what is it about <laughs> well it's just about some kid who who um who who makes friends with a Mexican guy who then wants to run for class president and help and he helps him and it sounds like such a banal story and in many ways it is but it exists entirely on the basis. Of, of of these incredible characters, and um, I, I don't I don't know if if you or, or, or your listeners have seen um, uh, Do Levante, You the Living, um, by the uh, Danish filmmaker Roy Anderson, because he, he that that film is is a, a series of vignettes, and there's even less of a story um, arc that goes through all those vignettes. In, that they're pretty much unrelated, but each one is its own little play, um, and um, and it, it really, you know, Napoleon Dynamite really reminded me of that. Although, you know, You the Living is is sort of much more art house and um, and um, uh, kind of uh, much more difficult, less less accessible, I suppose, than Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. The other thing about Napoleon Dynamite is it, it was it was rated PG, so it was it was it was available. You know, people kids found it as funny as you know, I'm 36. As I did, um, yeah, I yeah. I, I actually, across the board, I love that. Yeah, I actually watched this uh, with my family, my wife, and I have a seven-year-old daughter, and right. and, and she really enjoyed the movie too. And it, it's great because a lot of these classic films, like uh, The Godfather and, and Scarface, these are are films that uh, are hard R-rated with a lot of violence and a lot of language. Yeah. And, and it's nice that I, that I can actually. Uh, Find one of these fun little movies that I can actually watch with her. Right, and 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 you know what? It, 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 it makes me it makes me smile to think about you know that that it was on at, um, at Sundance I think, and and but still took quite a long time. It, it had to g- generate its own momentum in the box office. And mm-hmm. it, it's still a, st- a big studio didn't go and take a punt on it and say, you know, let's 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 go all out. This is going to be a great big hit. They, they, the studios didn't get it. And I like the fact that, you know, that the rest of us did. You know, we did get it. And um, and that's one of the great things about independent film. I think that if we if we didn't have independent film, we'd never have brave, interesting cinema like this. Um, and it's, it's also one of those movies that it's it's hard to pick apart and figure out why it works so well. It's right. like the look of this movie, it, it's hard to exactly place it. You, you said like 1982, but uh, but like the uh, the decor of a lot of the, the houses, it, they look very 70s right. and early yep. 80s. Uh, yep. the, the styles, the, the fashion is like... Uh, right start in the middle of the 80s uh, but the, the music they've got like Backstreet Boys from the 90s and uh, the White Stripes and uh, like they have the internet too yeah, he has right, okay. girlfriend so it, it's like really hard to pinpoint exactly where this movie is supposed to take place or when this movie is supposed to take place it's a it's a world that's completely stuck in the past. So yeah. what? Yeah, you're absolutely right. So you know, it, it felt to me like early eighties, and then and then they have the internet, and then you you hear Backstreet Boys, and but, but you know, it really doesn't matter. And 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 I suppose um, uh, you know, having that you know that that 
that idea of being stuck in another era um it, again is is an exaggeration of their sort of disconnect with their surroundings and it, you know there's um i forgot about the um the llama um, <laughs> That, that that lives next door. Napoleon lives in the field next door to the house that Napoleon's got to go and feed. Yeah, and Tina, the, the, <laughs> Tina, the llama, and and of course, and um, was it alpaca? And and the and the, and their grandma who looks after them. So there's no sort of talk about what happened to their parents. I don't think, but um, their grandma who looks after them has a quad biking accident, <laughs> injures her coccyx, and uh, and so that's why they end up having to get chaperoned by their uncle. Um, it's it's uh, I can't think of anything bad to say about this film, and, and you're absolutely right when you say, well, how do I even begin to pick apart why it's good? Um, I've no idea. I look at I look at Napoleon and I laugh, and I like him, and and, and that's enough, isn't it? Yeah, and and one one thing that's it's also such kind of a, a weird decision whenever you look at the movie is that you talk about how like a lot of times the scenes start with just the with the character looking at camera or like slightly off uh, left or right of camera, and a lot of times like the whenever there's more than one character talking to each other. They're not looking at each other. They're both sitting, standing, facing towards the camera and just talking, like, off to the side, not even looking at each other. They're they're just kind of staring off into space. And there's, like, there's no movement at all. They're just sitting or standing perfectly still, looking just slightly off camera and having this back-and-forth conversation. It's a wonderfully bold thing to do as a filmmaker, and and it works in every way. There's nothing about that that, that doesn't work for me, and so and, and but to have the to ha- to have the courage to to decide that and decide that actually you know so you can imagine people saying to Jared S, but they're not looking at each other. I mean, what what are you doing? <laughs> they're, they're both and 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 he said, no, it's fine. This is this it's 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 um it's contrived and it's awkward and that's how it's meant to be. And, and and it works, and he was absolutely right. So I'm I'm happy for him that he that that he fought that and and, and won. <laughs> yeah, and like it's it's just really an endearing movie, and and all the characters in there are so fun to see. Just what they're gonna do next, like you would, and it's all just decisions that you would never think would work, like how Uncle Rico and Kip start selling Tupperware, <laughs> and and he he ends up having some um, sort of um, some flings with with stay at home housewives, um, this uncle the uncle does, um, and he, he ends up selling his Tupperware by flirting with these older ladies. And, um, and Kip, in, in return, he uh, uh, tries to show the strength of, of the Tupperware by running it over with the car. <laughs> <laughs> and failing miserably. <laughs> I, I think the other thing that, that that's, that's definitely true about this, I, I wrote, I wrote, I, I wrote um, my screenplay um, last year, and um, obviously quite a lot of people read the screenplay and, and, and gave some feedback at, at, at different points in the process. But I remember one one piece of um, advice was that there was not enough jeopardy in the film, and you know I, I specifically chose not to add add jeopardy. I didn't want my film to be about the drama of will they succeed or won't they succeed. I wanted I, I wanted this to be a character study, 
And Napoleon Dynamite is very much like that. There is no jeopardy. There's no sense of, oh, what will happen at the end? Will they will will they succeed? Mm-hmm. And, and and you don't care whether they succeed or not. You know that, that they've already succeeded by existing, and and so yeah. and so they they haven't felt the need to add that element of, of of drama and jeopardy to the film, which you know is is the ingredient that's added to almost every other Hollywood movie. Yeah, and and, it, and it's interesting too because like there there is that subplot of. Uh, the fact that Pedro wants to become a class president, but at that point they're they're not even the underdogs. They're they have like zero chance, <laughs> and so that's it's set up in such a way where the it doesn't feel like there's any tension because as an audience you think there there is just absolutely no, no way chance. in hell <laughs> that no. that they're gonna win. So you don't. You just think that you're just kind of uh, watching it, and you think that it's going to be a funny failure. Yeah, and, and it's also irrelevant, isn't it? Because it's not a point at the end where 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 when Napoleon does the dance and there's you know to to, to astonish silence in the audience, <laughs> and if and he finishes this dance and then suddenly the entire school is on their feet and cheering, and you know at that point that that. Um, that the 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 most popular girl in the class who was also running for president has lost, and that Pedro has won, and um, and although that's you know ridiculous and over the top, there's not a point where you sort of say, well, that wouldn't happen because <laughs> the whole thing wouldn't happen. It's all it, it, it's all a complete joke. It's all a nonsense um, anyway. So it, it you're just glad that you've been ac- accepted in this world to, to come and take part in this and to come and observe it. And so and, and so the, the actual events themselves that they seem completely superfluous. I suppose to what's going on. The other thing that I like about it, I, I should mention, is the colour. I mean, you know, it's it's just this wonderful saturation of of bright yellows and greens and reds. And you know, Napoleon has bright red hair, and um, and everything is absolutely full of colour and wonderfully lit. There's there's no shadow and no shade. Um, it's it's almost lit. Like a uh, sort, of, sort of you know Wes Anderson film, I suppose you know very very flat and um, and um, with just with interest all across the frame. I just thought that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is an interesting movie for sure. Um, but I I think um, I think we should uh, wrap up this discussion. Is there any uh, final thoughts that you want to say about Napoleon Dynamite? Well. Only that it, it's it's inspiring for an independent filmmaker to see an independent film that that, that takes the chances that it takes, and and, and this is what I love about um, making films, and um, I'm um, it, it's just you know you know it's a film that doesn't feel the need to make some sort of sociological point, um, and um, sometimes film can just exist just to just to take you on a little journey for an hour and a half. And that's enough, and and that's what this film does. So, um, so, so, despite on 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 your have not seen list, there being films that um, are um, breathtaking, <laughs> and and also also films that would that will change the way you think about cinema and change the way you think about the world in some ways. Um, this for me is is uh, is is so original and such a breath of fresh air that um, I, I had to choose it for you. Yeah, and, and and I'm glad you did. I I really did enjoy it. It, it is something that's that's very different. And uh, it, even though I was going in expecting something kind of different, it it wasn't what I uh, expected going into it. And sure. and I really enjoyed it. Good. 
All right, well, we are going to take a quick break, and then whenever we come back, we're going to talk about the film that I had you watch for the first time, which I also watched for the first time, and that is Defendor. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris Tansky. And I'm Dan Fogarty. Together, we host the Title Pending Movie Podcast. Title Pending is a weekly show where Tank and I get together and go over what's going on in the world of movies. Each episode, folks, and I take a look at the biggest new release of the week and discuss the weekend's box office data. Then we pick a topic to discuss in depth from top tens to current issues to subjects that tie in to that week's new releases. We always do our best to entertain and enlighten. So come and check it out for good times and good films. Check out the Title Pending Movie Podcast. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and everywhere that quality podcasts are found. Defender came out in 2009, and it was the directorial debut of actor Peter Stebbins, who also wrote the film, starring Woody Harrelson as a man with a mental disability who thinks he's a superhero. But it's not so much that he is the unstable, violent type of mental disability, but instead more like a developmental disability where he's much more childlike and slow-witted. And even though this this movie is sold as a dark comedy, I I feel it's much more like about a drama drama about his life and how he goes through uh, making friends and and eventually taking down this crime lord, even with the limitations that he has. And it's really dark and and stylized, but Woody Harrelson is really a strong focus in the movie. And really carries the whole movie with with his character Arthur Poppington. Um, but uh, what did you think about Defendor? Um, so you know, I came in with no preconceptions into this, and I, I like going to a film knowing nothing about it and and um, hearing none of the hype or or the lack of hype. And I just absolutely love this film. <laughs> I, I, did, I, I, I didn't. I, I, you know, even from watching it at, at the first few minutes of it, I was I was completely gripped because, in in a way, it's quite similar to Napoleon Dynamite in that, like you say, it's entirely based on 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 this character. It's carried entirely by the believability of this Arthur Poppington character who um, Woody Allen plays, um, and it's interesting <laughs> as a film because. Um, you know, you say you know it's billed as a dark comedy, but you'd say it's more of a drama, and and, and I'd completely agree. It, it has elements of Greek tragedy um, to it as well, and so it's it's really difficult to place. And I think the re- you know one of the reasons we hadn't heard about it was because because I mean it was made independently in mm-hmm. um, Toronto, I think, and yeah. got picked got picked up by Sony after the Toronto um, Film Festival, and didn't get a theatrical release in the in the US and in here in the UK, and so. Um, and I can understand why, um, from a commercial point of view, only because they, I can imagine the studios found it difficult to decide what genre this film was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, and it's, it's heartwarmingly funny. It's, it's um, dramatic and, um, and, and occasionally um, on the edge of your seat and uh, elements of thriller to it. And it's also deeply emotional. And so, uh, you know, it's, it has and it's also partly a revenge film, I suppose, partly a vigilante film. Mm-hmm. And so and so it, it's uh, <laughs> I thought it's kind of like a kick ass meets Rain Man um, sort of film. It, it, it's, it's difficult to categorize. And so. I can understand. I watched a trailer of the film as well after I'd seen the film, 
and it, it really looks like a comedy in the trailer, which mm-hmm. it, you know it really isn't. And and there's so many opportunities for for the filmmaker to make easy jokes, and he avoids doing it the whole time. And I think that's um, that's all, all credit to him because actually he creates this character who you immediately find a connection with, and who is has these um, I suppose. Elements of slapstick, goofy faces, that sort of stuff, but also then becomes suddenly changes to something that's that's you know emotional or angry or sad, and um, you you completely go with him on that journey, and and it's interesting, isn't it, to to to, um, to you know it takes those elements of of the world of superhero, I, th- I suppose the 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 sort of the, the dark. Um, um, crime-ridden underworld, the the bogus or the the um, uh, the, the bad lieutenant police officers, yeah, the crooked um, cops, crooked cops, and it, it takes elements of that, but makes that world then completely believable, and um, and I think that's what makes it so accessible for you, for you as a viewer. Um, so um, uh, that that's what I, sp- I suppose why I liked it so much. I, I fell in love with the character, and I, and if and if you do that, then then I think you'll also fall in love with this film. It's a uh, yeah, and Woody Harrelson as well. I mean, like you say, he plays this sort sort of slightly retarded, you know, just definitely socially inept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, mean, I, you know, I kind of think of it as uh, a little bit like if uh, Forrest Gump was Batman. Right. Okay. Okay. So he and he and and, and he, he, there's a suggestion, I suppose, that that he hasn't properly grown up because his mother, when she, when when he was a child, his mother um, w- was left him, and then ultimately to drugs and and to this Captain Industry figure who he who claims is his the supervillain who he wants to apprehend and and um, and um, have him um, meet his comeuppance, and so maybe he's stuck as a child forever, stuck as a child until he un- until he, he he finds this this Captain Industry character, um, and so. Um, you know, it takes us. You know, one of the questions I suppose I had from it was you know, this: this idea of what is a superhero? What you know, he has so many of the qualities of a superhero, um, and not you know, and, and in a quite original way. So, you, you, for example, um, you know, I thought about um, Batman and Robin, who who you know, on the whole, don't have superpowers. They just have this ability to always keep going. <laughs> They have a they have a unflinching tenacity, and so does Arthur as defender. He, he you know he quite early on gets beat up, and um, and for many people that would be the end. But it, it just strengthens his resolve all the further, and 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 he'll and he'll just keep going, and 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 you believe that. So he has so many of the qualities of of the superhero. It's hard. It was hard for me to decide whether or not he's a superhero at all. <laughs> well, and, and and in fact, like. In in all the fights, uh, he pretty much uh, the only the only fights that he wins are the ones specifically against the the uh, crooked cop Dune. That's right, that's right. And not uh, uh, yeah, and not and not the other baddies surrounding him. And <laughs> and, he, and there is there is this wonderful. I mean, it's going to make me laugh, and it's and it is funny every single time it happens. But he he, he carries marbles with him, <laughs> and and one of his sort of. You know his his uh, his special moves is to is to throw a bunch of marbles. His opening move. <laughs> his opening move is to, his opening move is always to throw a bunch of marbles, and they, and they and they don't know what to make of it at first. You know, but <laughs> then they realise, oh, this hurts, and then you know, ultimately in true Home Alone style, they they always fall over on on top of them. And although that just means that they've fallen over, they can get up again. Um, well, actually, I, I think funny. it's I think it's kind of funny too because I actually watched this twice. Um, 
because I, I watched it like about a week and a half ago because uh, we did have to reschedule and we postponed it a week and because I liked it so much and, and also because uh, I haven't hadn't gotten around to writing my written review yet, uh, I watched it again last night. Right. And uh, watching it a second time, I, those things that I noticed, like he always throw, he always opens with the marbles, and yet uh, almost nobody ever actually falls down. I think uh, he uses it maybe three or four times, and only one person falls down, maybe right. two. Maybe that's maybe that's the, you know the baddie at the end. I think he, the Captain Industry figure at the end. I think he he might fall um at some point right at the very end but yeah you, you're right and yeah he persists in using this move and he also has the move with the wasps mm-hmm. um where he has a, a jar full of wasps which he which he throws or breaks so that, that yeah, they can has, go he has a a wasp's nest uh in a uh, fish tank in in his what he calls his secret lair which is yeah. this uh um this warehouse um because he uh, he works as a uh, construction worker, he's he's a guy that holds the uh, the sign that says "slow." Yeah, right. So and 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 he's obviously completely dis- disinterested in that job and 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 has a very one very very single minded upon about his mission, which which is which is to catch this guy. Um, you know the thing that's that's so good about Arthur is that you know he's he's those you know he's very socially awkward. He's 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 you know very. Um, easily angered he's quite he can be quite aggressive but you're completely lovable and but at the same time you don't feel sorry for him right this the, mm-hmm. you, you, you know he, he doesn't play the victim actually um instead you just you i think by the end of the film you quite envy him you know and and, and i suppose that his society envies him too because he becomes something of a, a you know a, a, a martyr a hero a martyr at the end yeah mm-hmm. yeah and and uh Basically, any any person that he comes in contact with throughout the course of the movie, uh, who isn't a criminal, really falls in love with him. And all the I really enjoy all the side characters. There, there's his foreman, uh, who's yeah. also like one of his closest friends, and and plays almost like a father figure. Right. Um, and he, he takes him in at one point towards the end of the movie, uh, and then there's. Uh, there's Cat, played by Cat Dennings, um, who's this uh, like young hooker, um, and she kind of she's originally rescued because she's she's it's hard to tell because the way she talks it, it makes it sound like she's been doing it for quite a while. But uh, in in the the scene where you first see her, she seems very she seems rather reluctant at, at what she's doing, and so she's rescued by Defendor, and then uh, because he kind of ruins her um, her situation with Dooney, uh, she moves in with Defendor and and basically scams him out of his money right um but throughout the course of the money movie she uh becomes one of his closest friends too and, and even the uh, uh the chief of police well that's my fav. i think that's my favorite relationship in the film in, in many ways um because the chief of police he calls commissioner and and, <laughs> and and he has a completely different relationship with him as the commissioner has you know, reciprocates, and so and so he treats it very much like he is Batman talking to the commissioner, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, and I like the way that the that the, that the police chief he doesn't he doesn't just laugh it off he actually he actually um, sort of 
Almost he's, plays along. He, almost, he plays along with it to some extent, and 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 actually, in 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 quite a dark world where you have these the, these corrupt cops, and we, of which he's not. You know, he I think he he likes the idea of there being someone who who genuinely has that passion for fighting crime. Yeah, um, especially but, because you you get the idea that he doesn't like he knows that he has crooked cops on his payroll, but he can't prove it, and and he doesn't he also doesn't know how deep it runs. Because you know that he's suspicious of Dooney, but you also get the feeling that any of the like he knows that there's other people in in his in his police force that he can't trust that he doesn't know about yet. And 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 I love the way that that Arthur Defender um, exits scenes (laughs) and enters scenes with him Um, because 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 he's definitely not Batman in his fighting skills. But he very much is Batman on how he can just disappear. <laughs> I mean, my the, one of my favourite bits, I suppose, was was quite early on when his first time he gets arrested, and he's so when you're just starting to get to know the character, um, he he gets arrested and and questioned because he's he's beat up this police officer, mm-hmm. and um and because interestingly, right at the very beginning, he makes no effort to 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 cause hide himself when he's beat up this police officer because he believes that he's truly doing the right thing, mm-hmm. and so and so when he gets caught by the when he gets questioned by the police and they decide that they can let him go but they are going to confiscate his weapon, um. He, uh, they leave him in the questioning room, and he um, uses an explosive to open the door, but in, in a really sort of cool, calm, and collected way. Just, just casually sort of puts this explosive in the door, stands back, it, it makes yeah. a small bang, opens the door, goes out, grabs his weapon, and walks straight out of the, out of the police station. And yeah, I, I, there's something completely heroic about that, and it leaves you going, "Well, yeah, you are a hero." And um, I also love love how. Uh, whenever the the what you say explosive, explosive it's it's like an overblown firecracker, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and whenever it goes off, he 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 coughs loudly to try and cover cover up the the sound of it going off. <laughs> yeah, um, he's, and, he, and he has the great line is like there there's eight. Uh, there's over eight ways to break out of this dump. I'm going to use the front door. <laughs> so, so, and 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 he and he has those little, those sort of slightly cliched lines dotted yeah. around the film, and they always work really well. They 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 they, they sit within the genre that they've created really well. I think. Um, what is it he says to Cat when he first meets Cat and tells him? Does he say scram? Or... Uh, uh, he says make like a rocket and take make, off. Make like a rocket and take off. You know, <laughs> and that's and that's one. Of the first pieces of dialogue um, in, in the film as, as well, um, and so you know, I suppose that brings us to the um, this the, the style of the film because it's very much in the in a superhero movie comic book style, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. so the, the, I, I thought the score was fantastic, um, uh, or, or, or really um, uh, dramatic and and a dark score all the way through, but it doesn't it, it never it never feels like a parody to me, and mm-hmm. it never feels it never feels like a clash. Um, with the rest of the film, I, I think that the score works brilliantly, and also just the, the, I think that the cinematography is fantastic because it it borrows elements of the superhero genre. Um, you know, the the, the, the sort of long um, uh, sort of close-ups of eyes of of of, of, um, of uh, slightly the camera slightly below the character, and so you you get this slightly haunting view of, of a close-up of 
um, his face. And I'd look, that's why I'd love to see this film in a cinema. I think it'd be a fantastic cinema movie. Um, yeah. But it's got so much of the elements of superhero about it and comic book about comic book about it, but manages somehow to to match that with actually, you know, <laughs> quite a serious drama. Yeah, yeah. We we brought up some of the some of the funnier moments, um, but the, those mostly happen like in the beginning. Um, and then towards the end, it, it's, uh, there's a lot more serious elements as he actually uh, falls into this um, this uh, whole con- uh, not not conspiracy, but the, this whole plot with uh, the this Russian drug lord who basically controls the city, and he's bringing in this shipment of uh, guns and and uh, women, and uh, he's. He follows through, and he has this uh, spy cam, which is connected to a, a VHS recorder, and that's kind of a, a funny element too. Um, yeah, and you know, and but that element of drama in the plot, you know, like you say, only sort of happens at a certain point in the film, and up until then, it's very much a sort of character study. And you're, and so, so the the direction of the film changes, I think, at, at that point. I mean, there's a vehicle to get through the film, which is which is his. His meeting with the psychotherapist, um, who's played no, the, by the um, psychiatric evaluation, psych- Sa- Sandra O. Sandra O. Um, and that um, uh, that um, is a really interesting part of the film because because obviously that's that's taken place you know much later on in the film. Was it is it right? The, no, it can't be right at the very end. But uh, it's about um, two thirds of the way through. Two thirds of the way through the film, but we 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 intercut with that all the way through right that, that's like the it's it's almost like a framing device it, it's a framing device right and, and so and, and and i think that's it's interesting because a lot of times i think that these framing devices are used poorly like i i think a perfect example is uh, like the lone ranger right. it, it has a framing device and and i did not think that that really helped um, improve the story of that movie. I, I didn't think it was ni- needed, but I think in this movie it works extremely well because I, I think when you are dealing with this character um, who ha- who does who is mentally slow and and has these problems, he's very childlike. That uh, Sandra O's oh, psychologist really helps explain the situation to the audience and she's also a very sympathetic character she's sympathetic towards um arthur pompington and she has a, a, a very like calm and soothing voice where all of the um like all the all the superhero antics he, he does go into it, and it's also kind of funny because he does have this uh, Batman voice because he has his, his normal voice, which it which is much more high pitched and, and kind of childlike. But then whenever he is in his Defender costume, uh, he ha- he does go into like his Batman voice where it's uh, more deep and gravelly, and and that's where he spouts all his one liners. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have the we have a, the, very much the same relationship with Arthur, I, I suppose, as Sandra O's character does. So, so at the beginning, she's perplexed and and doesn't understand him, but the, as as we understand him more, so does she. And and I think that's why that framing device works um, so well. Uh, we should get in a, l- a little bit uh, before we finish up in into a, a bit more of the the more dramatic elements. Whenever he does stumble onto this. Um, this plot to to bring in the shipment. I think there there's interesting elements because he he does uh, 
get captured for the second time by the police um, and has to go through this psychiatric evaluation and, he, and he's put under the care of his uh, his foreman friend and he's told not to take the, the guise of Defendor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is also... Uh, uh, a little bit earlier, where he, um, because the police are have this sting operation, they, they have this guy that's deep inside that's that's not actually Dooney. Um, he is the um, I forget the character's name, but the drug lord's uh, almost like uh, head uh, henchman. Yeah, who shoots? Who shoots Arthur? Right. Which watching it a second time, I I think like it. Watching it the first time, I thought it's, it worked well because um, he has these training bullets uh, because he he's putting on this show, but he doesn't want to kill Arthur. So he has these training bullets, and he just puts Arthur in, into the hospital but doesn't kill him. But watching it a second time, it, I, I think that is a bit of a weak point in the plot because it, it doesn't make sense that he would be carrying this gun that has these training bullets all the time. That, that, that I suppose you know you know you're right, and that there's that there's the other thing that I felt was slightly weak is you know I don't know how you felt about his line. He said he says it a couple of times. He says, uh, "Stay down." Guns are for cowards. Oh yeah, and, <laughs> and 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 that's like a way of saying, look, we know he he could just carry a gun and gain his revenge by just going and shooting, but but he chooses to do it this way instead because he thinks guns are for cowards. And I'm not sure that was that wasn't really necessary. Um, <laughs> And um, uh, we could have we could have we could have taken that leap of faith ourselves. Um, and I mean, you're right. But there was there was a there's an interesting bit where the film suddenly becomes really serious because you don't when he gets shot that time and, and he's finally in hospital that you don't have I don't know, for, for certain have that sense of tension. Oh, is he going to make it or not? Because you a you've already seen the bits with Sandra O, oh, so you already know that he's um, he's definitely going to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, it's not that sort of film. You don't feel like you're in a in a crime caper. You don't feel like you, that um, that this film is about um, the, the that 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 narrative that jeopardy. And so, um, but when suddenly the, the film does take a change because um, is it Dooney? He he um, he goes to the back of this this van that's parked outside the big baddie's house where the police are, or some form of undercover police are, hiding inside and listening to the conversations that are going on inside this house. Yeah, the surveillance it, van. The surveillance van. And he, he goes in there with a shotgun and, and, and shoots the policeman inside there. And that, that's quite, you know, although it's quite, you know, it's quite late in the film, it's quite a significant change in the tone of the film, mm-hmm. I think, at that point, because it's suddenly, you think, oh, this is real now. You, I, I'm not sure that earlier you felt that Arthur was in real danger until that point. When that when I, I think the, the the pace and the the um, the sort of film it is changes right, and those are the the uh, the first two deaths in the movie, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah. until that point, you know, the, the 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 injuries had been a you know sort of like Batman TV series sort of style, hadn't they? They'd you know everything's everything's been quite superficial and mm-hmm. um and uh, you know a little bit slapstick. But then it's but then to, to suddenly get that change, it just clicks you into another gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and there's also like it, even though I I thought that it it doesn't make entirely sense um, that he was carrying the gun with the training bullets. It, it is a, an important setup because uh, the fact that Arthur gets um, 
he gets shot up and he survives, then he gets the idea that bullets can't hurt him. Right. And that yeah. and that's important for the ending. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know that that I mean it comes back to what you know I said early on is is he has he has this complete and unparalleled determination to wrong a right in some way and it 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 makes him a hero it makes him a superhero i think it make it, it it elevates him beyond this this crazy guy who this crazy guy who likes to dress up as a superhero and become a vigilante for for me for me he he has so many elements of the superhero that mm-hmm. that, that that actually that that's that end where he sacrifices himself where he doesn't have fear um, is um, is 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 really wonderfully um, wonderfully constructed and 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 really emotional. Uh, I think I think it's 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 handled really well. Yeah, the, and and they even ta- toss in just just a touch of uh, comic relief uh, because Cat gives him this gun and, and goes on about how it's got five shots left and, and to use it. And the first thing he does is he doesn't shoot it; he throws it at the guy. <laughs> But, yeah, and he, he's and you know the thing about um, Woody Harrelson um, in this is that ev- everything he does like that is uh, you 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 buy into, mm-hmm. and although he you know he you know when he was in Cheers he played this sort of slightly um, uh, backward character, mm-hmm. but but there's there's no elements of that character in it. This this is very individual and very original, and. Um, I think that that's the thing that you know his his performance is really the thing that that allows you to enjoy it. Yeah, and and one last thing that that I want to mention that before we before we finish up, I, I feel like I said that already, but uh, I I like that the fact that um, that they don't really base the humor like none of the humor feels like it's laughing at Arthur's uh, slow mind. Condition, no, right. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the, your your interaction with Arthur, I think, is is purely as um, as, uh, as it, it, you have a warm empathy for him. And yeah, it's, it's all very sincere. It's all very sincere. And how and actually, as his story unfolds, that empathy just just grows. So as we find out that about what happened to his mother, mm-hmm. um, you you just develop a deeper and stronger relationship with him. Um, the, the, yeah, you, you're right. There's never a point that a you feel sorry for him, or b that you're you're laughing at him. Um, and you know, even at the bits where he's he throws the marbles, <laughs> it's so cute what he does. It's it's um, there's an innocence to it that mm-hmm. that that um, is totally um, is totally captivating. I suppose. Um, I, I think that it's sort of film that that in, you know, much like Napoleon Dynamite, that. You know, this is the sort of thing independent film should be. It doesn't have to conform. You know, it, ha- it is original and doesn't have to be part of a genre. It, it can actually just be based around a character, and he, he, we can see his sort of disaffection, um, and, you know, through his physicality. But actually, you know, it's 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 a really heartwarming and and, and wonderful film. And so and so, um, it's great that independent filmmakers have given the opportunity to make a film like this, even if the the distributors make a make a mess of trying to distribute it. Yeah, and and uh, um, a couple other things that um, that I do want to point out. Like uh, I know initially the the superhero film that you um, thought about watching for the first time is uh, special, 
and that along with Super and Kick-Ass in this movie. They they all kind of get lumped together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kick-Ass less so, just because it's even even though it's it's also a, a lower budget movie, it, it looks and feels a lot more Hollywood, and it was commercially right. successful, but. Uh, uh, a super and special. They're both a bit more similar to this, um, though both of those are much more of a dark comedy than this one is. Um, it's about uh, um, Michael Rappaport. He starts this drug study, and uh, the, it's this drug that makes him think that he has superpowers. Very interesting. Well, I, will, I shall I shall check that out. But it's interesting what you're saying about about Kickass as well. I mean, I I, I, yeah, I was um, obviously a fan of Kickass. I thought that um, that, that those um, subtleties of the humour that I really liked. But um, but you know, Kickass made its money because it, it, ultimately it was an action film. There was, I think, mm-hmm. a huge amount of action in it. And uh, and this film would be would would be compromised completely if it had too much action in it. Right. Um, instead, it really concentrates on on the character development, and um, and so you know it's a much more rewarding experience to watch. I think. Um, and although I I there's, there's things that I really enjoyed about Kickass, um, I think that um, this supersedes my. Um, what supersedes goes to the top of my ranking of superhero movies now. Um, <laughs> It was a good choice. Yeah, it it, it really uh, jumped a lot it, in the, on my list as well. I, I I really enjoyed this a lot. It, it surprised me a lot too. Yeah. Um, but I, I would like to, to thank you a lot for for joining me on this episode. It, it was uh, really fun talking with you about about these movies, and I really enjoyed both the movies too. Thank you so much for inviting me. I very much enjoyed it, and yeah, it's, it's great to talk about Napoleon Dynamite because I haven't seen that in in some years until I watched it um, a couple of weeks ago um, again. And I think I I loved it even more than I loved it the first time when, when I watched it. And uh, I've been uh, I, well. One thing we didn't mention was the tater tots in the is it in the in his pocket <laughs> that he puts. Uh, oh. You know, the, the, the scene, this film is full of little little scenes that are just independently amusing. Yeah, and, and, um, and I thought that was funny too because <laughs> I, as soon as my wife saw, saw that, she's like, "Oh, that's disgusting." <laughs> and, and but that's the, that's 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 being a teenager, right? That's that's <laughs> and, 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 and that's that's having a mother. You know, that's um, that's what's so funny about it, I suppose. But so, sorry, so you know, it, it's great to watch to watch to be able to watch that and and uh, really study it. Um, properly but also you know like I say I thought Defender was just a um, really like terrific and original film and I'm so sorry for them that you know I think it made like something you know less than a hundred thousand dollars in the in the in the cinema so um that it's a shame and and distributors should be doing better um to distribute more interesting original character driven films I think mm-hmm. all right and um and uh, if people want to find you and your work online where can they can go for that so they can find um, some of my work on, on, on Vimeo, vimeo.com, Simon Connolly, S-I-M-O-N-C-O-N-N-O-L-L-Y. Um, or they could find me on Twitter too, which is at Connors, C-O-N-N-E-R-S 77. And um, and occasionally I will tweet um, some links to some things and you can find out about the progress of our film, The Last Superheroes, which is at TLS underscore movie. All right. And... Uh... 
And as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on Twitter at Bubba Wheat, and you can find me at flightstightsandmovienights.com. If you want to find out what two movies we'll be talking about on my next regular episode, go ahead and listen through to the end, or you'll hear the mashup trailer. And I will be back next week for another shorter episode of FilmWise Raw. Until next time. For every day... There is a night. Nobody comes back late at night anymore. For every world, there is an underworld. The government noticed that they were moving into new areas. That's when things started to get out of hand. And for every hero... People are living in fear. 